Good morning, church. Good morning. If I knew it was Baptist hymns that made you guys sing, maybe we'd do more. <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, um, I, I am really happy to be working through. Over the next uh, about four weeks today and three more, we're going to be looking at some of the early chapters of Acts just to kind of see what happened after Pentecost, and maybe it has something to say to us, too. So we'll be doing that starting today. Now, as a pastor, I think a lot about how to help the church grow. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways we could pull people into church on Sunday morning. Um, we could try and get a celebrity endorsement, you know. Um, maybe shoot a commercial with Matthew McConaughey. Right? He's in Austin, isn't he? Um, we could give away iPads or TVs, you know. Matter of fact, if you'll check under your chair right now. Just kidding. Um, you know, we could just pay people to come. Or we, we could even just bend and twist the truth of God's word until it lines up with what the rest of the world believes. We could do those things, but we're not going to. Because none of those things are worth the cost. When God reckons the growth of the church, he's looking for the salvation of souls. TV giveaways and celebrities and, and frankly, a gospel other than what we received in God's word, those things won't save anybody. And, you know, for that matter, if, if let's just say one Sunday our, our attendance skyrockets because a bunch of folks left the Christian church they used to attend to and they start coming to our church... How much has God's kingdom grown? None. Not a bit. So that's not to say that folks aren't welcome, you know. I, I hope that there's a church that's a welcoming place for anybody. It's just to say that our aim should, should be the same as Jesus, seeking and saving the lost. So when I read the section of Acts, you know what piques my attention? When I read chapter 2, verse 47, it says, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Imagine that. Imagine every day more and more people were being saved. Every day, witnessing God bring prisoners out of the darkness and into his kingdom. Not, not merely that every day more and more people were coming to hear or see, although that would be great, but day by day, people were being saved. I want that. I want to see that. I want to be a part of that. I think maybe you do too. Now, of course, we're not going to do church the exact same way they did it 2,000 years ago. For one thing, there aren't many of us who speak Aramaic or Hebrew or Greek. Most of us aren't Jewish, I think. But it's a mistake to think that we are completely different or that God's design for the church has radically changed over time. It hasn't. 
one of the biggest differences between the modern-day American church and the ancient church in Acts 2 is a matter of our history. And we talked about this in, in Sunday school a little bit today. So in Acts 2, there was no historical Christian church. I mean, other than the history of Israel. But in terms of people who proclaimed the risen Christ and who were living out the Great Commission, that was all new. Now, on the flip side, we are so used to the idea that Christian churches are on practically every corner that we can hardly understand why people aren't going to one. I mean, I, can, I could take a pebble and hit a Christian church from our parking lot. Like, churches like ours remember days when, you know, just about everybody went to church somewhere. But for a church to grow, you know, for a church to grow back then, you just had to open the doors. And if you had a decent preacher and a working organ, you were all set. And because many of us have that in our living memories, we tend to think that's the way it's supposed to work. But friends, a world like that is completely alien to the world that the New Testament was written in. And it's, it's very likely that those days are behind us. And I see no reason for us to pine for their return. I would rather spend that energy in learning from the church where God added daily to the number of those being saved. So what, what does the Bible say about that church? Well, the beginning of our section went like this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the poor. Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. And they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. Here's what struck me as remarkable. This early church was a family. Not like, you know, when they meet on Sunday at the church building, they're friendly to one another. They acted like real families are supposed to act. They didn't just pray at church. They prayed together. They were in each other's homes. They were sharing meals. When someone was in need, somebody would sell something off and help cover their need. Their church life took place seven days a week. And it was as much or more in the home as it was in the church building. Now, of course, they did attend worship faithfully and regularly. They were hungry to hear the gospel of Jesus and to learn and grow and be filled more and more with God's word. They devoted themselves to that. And they devoted themselves to fellowship, breaking bread, and prayers. Now, what we do here is, is very important. It's, it's monumentally important. If we don't gather together 
for worship, if we don't hear God's words, if we don't receive his gifts, we will drift away from what matters most. Right? If we stop doing this, then our faith will atrophy and wither. But the reality of Sundays is that you can easily come in and fill up on church and leave without connecting with the rest of the body of Christ. The 10 minutes before or after service that you hang around and talk to folk, that's good. But it's only the barest scratching the surface of the fellowship that God desires for us. And, you know, we had to put a lot of that stuff on hold over this last year. And I think, I think we felt that. The thing is, in, in 2,000 years, people haven't really changed. An ugly truth that I'd like to share with you is this. Most people don't really pick their doctrine, or they don't pick their church based on its doctrine. Some do. But most don't. Most folks, if they go anywhere, they go where they feel welcome, where their friends or family go. It isn't theology that pulls them in, it's relationships. I think that's a big part of why when we formed a guiding statement for our church, we said that we are a welcoming family. There's a reason that the Bible talks about hospitality as a spiritual gift. There's a reason that fellowship is so prominent in the writings of the New Testament. If people tend to go where they are welcome and where they have relationships, well, shouldn't that be the church? Shouldn't we be that church? We don't have to change our teaching. We don't need to twist the gospel or water down the law to be a church that abounds in fellowship. But we might need to be a church that expands our church life in our faith walk, into our homes. We might need to work on having open doors and spending time with one another and giving sacrificially to help one another. We ought to be a people whose lives reflect the gospel we proclaim, whose day-to-day behaviors show the gratitude and joy that we have being the forgiven and adopted children of God. We need to reclaim fellowship as our personal responsibility to one another. Not just a 10-minute chat after service. If you're not doing that, start with that, okay? We need to be a place where, without being told, an outsider would see people who love each other in real and concrete ways. If we're going to grow, we have to grow in grace and in love for one another and for those who aren't part of us yet. And in hope, we'll believe the testimony of this scripture that God, not our efforts, right? That's not what it said. That God will add to our number those who are being saved. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we, we pray your blessing upon your church, that we would be a, a church of fellowship, a church that loves one another, that commits ourselves to one another, who grow in our love for one another, and who have open arms to welcome in the outsider as well. Lord, many of us have a tendency toward privacy. Many of us have a busy schedule. And we ask that you'll make the changes you need in our lives and in our hearts to become the kind of people who live out this gospel. People who listen. People who love. People who prioritize others over themselves. We thank you for all the love and kindness, compassion and generosity that you have shown to us by holding nothing back. Every single blessing we have is from your hand, but more than that, you didn't even hold back your very son. You sent him to live for us, die for us, to rise again for us, to claim us as your own. And that's too good for us to not share. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Teach us to listen to his leading and give us courage to go. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.